0: For Creation Sunday, today we're going to be looking at the Creator's intention for His creation. Um, what happens when something is constructed and it's used for a, an end contrary to its provided instructions? So you, you buy something and you have the instructions on how it's to be used, but you use it completely different from what it's intended it might work, but it won't work very well. It's definitely definitely not going to look like or function like the manufacturer intended. Um, sometimes people might take individual aspects of that thing, interchange it with other things in a way the exact opposite intended. Parts are added that shouldn't be there. Parts are taken away that shouldn't be taken away. And the people can start to think, well, I can do this. Therefore, it's right to do that. It's okay to do that. And then the situation gets even more interesting when no one follows the instruction for that particular thing. Everyone thinks that the twisted and the wrong way of putting it together is the correct way. The warranty is voided. And the longer that continues, the more that Perversion is accepted as true and correct and woe be to the one who tells and says otherwise that you're doing it wrong when everybody says, no, we're doing it right. This is all in the realm of general speaking. So let me give a specific example. We used to have these things called cameras. Now they're built into your phone. My mom was heavily involved in 35-millimeter photography. She had her own darkroom in her basement. Um, She had wide-angle lenses. She had zoom lenses. And this is the time, kids, back in the dark ages, when you had film. And you had to take it to the, the, the Myers or the Walmart or whatever it was to get it developed. And you had to wait a week until you get the pictures back. And you never knew whether the pictures were good or not. Now you just take a picture and you can see right away if it's good or not. And what's especially interesting now is people are paying $20 for those little instant you know, camera things because it's so cool and they have to wait three weeks to see if their pictures were good or not. Polaroid cameras are making a comeback. Costing thousands of dollars, well not thousands of dollars. But those are just throwaway things to us. 35 millimeter camera you can still buy them today digital ones they're not cheap so what would happen if somebody spends thousands of dollars on a high-end 35 millimeter digital camera and the first thing that he does is he glues the lens cap on now if you have no idea what a lens cap is okay that's the thing that protects the lens You take the lens cap off and you can see what you're taking a picture of. And so this person who just spent thousands of dollars on this 35 millimeter digital camera, he gets super glue, he puts it on. That's not good enough. I want to make sure it stays on. So I'm going to wrap duct tape around it. Duct tape. Around an expensive 35 millimeter camera. Wait, he's not done yet. How do you take pictures with a 35 millimeter camera? Again, those of us with our, our dumb phones, we just kind of turn it on, we point the button. What you're pushing is a little button that on the camera is called a shutter release button. You push it down physically. I mean, you push it physically down and it opens the, uh-oh, aperture. Is that right? Lets the light in, exposes it, and takes the camera. Takes, takes the picture. This individual, he's glued and duct taped his camera lens on. And he's decided, I'm going to take all that assembly apart for the, uh, 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 for the, the shutter release button. I'm going to unscrew it. I'm just going to tape in some quarters there. Those look nicer. I think that'll work better. And then with his expensive camera that he's modified for better use... He then uses it to hammer nails with it. What would you say of that individual? You're crazy. That's not what it was created to do. You're using it wrong. God (coughs) created things in a certain way to do certain things. This creation account that we have read here in Genesis 1 and 2. It tells us he created everything to reflect his character and to accomplish his purposes. Let's learn some truths about number one the creator's work and intention. The first thing I want us to see in Genesis 2 verse 7, let's look there, Genesis 2, verse 7 The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Drop down to verse 21. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. We see, number one, God directly made human beings. He directly made human beings. He made man from dust. Isn't that an encouraging thing, guys? You're just dust. What does the scripture say? From dust you came, dust you're going to return. We need to remember that. I want us to see some truth, some things here about this. Man does not exist by chance. He exists because God made him. It's not by natural processes. Just kind of happened to come together, all these things. No, God directly made human beings. It wasn't mere intelligent design. That is a popular thing the last few decades where some have said there is an intelligent design. And we, at least as Christians, it said, should get behind that because it's better than naturalistic evolution. And I would encourage you, don't fall for that. Because that's not the truth. It wasn't a mere intelligent design. It was the God, of the, the triune God of the Christian scriptures who made all things, who formed man's body from dust and breathed life into him. We see here also, and I'll speak more about this during the afternoon service, God made the male first, the man first. But God also directly made woman. But he didn't make woman from dust. Who did he make woman from? From man, from the rib of the man. God, who is perfect. He looked at man all by himself, solitary. He assessed his situation, and he correctly, perfectly solved man's problem. It is not good, verse 18, that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. God's solution wasn't more dust. God's solution wasn't a dog. What are dogs sometimes called? Man's best friend? Wrong. God didn't give Adam a dog. God's solution wasn't more work. God's solution definitely wasn't another man. It was woman who perfectly complimented him. This is what I spoke about last creation Sunday. How a woman perfectly complimented man. He was his perfect match, not an identical match. Because that is not what man needed for his solitary state. A second truth that we need to see. From chapter 1, verse 27. So flip a page over maybe if you need to. Chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Number two, God made human beings with specific genders. God made human beings with specific genders. Male and female. God knows what he's talking about when it comes to gender. He is not confused. God is male. He is male. God made biological man male. He made biological woman what? Female. There's no difference between sex and gender like you hear about today. And the ironic thing about all that is that those who deny that, who say, no, deep down, I'm really, you know, filling the gender there. Those who deny that, they, in the same breath, will say, you know what? God, he might be a man. He might be a woman. He might be filling the gender And I say that that's ironic because I say, I I, I wonder, what happened to, don't tell me what my gender is. But yet that's exactly what they're doing with the Lord. Number two, God made human beings with specific genders. Number three, from the same verse, verse 27, God made human beings in his image. He made human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created him. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, I have a book I'd like to read to you, but I don't have time for that. So I got to have to boil it down in just a few words for you. What's it mean to be a human, to to be made into God's image? It means you are made into a rational and a righteous person. Three key words there, rational and righteous person. A rational and righteous person. At the moment of creation, man had intelligence, he had the ability to communicate, he could assess a situation, he could draw conclusions, and he could act. It didn't take thousands and millions of years for that process to happen. Show me, you might say. Let's go to chapter 2 then. Chapter 2, verse 15. Two situations we can see this from. Chapter 2, verse 15. The first, verses 15 to 17. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Take your best friend, dog, Tell him, don't go there. You can go here. And what will your dog do? (laughs) Pan around, and he'll run wherever he wants. Wait a minute. Don't you listen to me? That didn't happen with Adam. God put Adam in the garden. He said, this is what you are going to do. Adam heard that communication from God, and he acted. Don't eat that Eat this. He could look at the tree. He knew exactly what God was talking about and what God threatened and what God promised. That's part of being made in the image of God. Rational and righteous and a person. Your dog, I'm sorry, is not a person. You might love him. He might be fluffy and all that, but he is not a person. A second example is in verses 18 to 20. The Lord God said... I don't have a beef against dogs. I'm just using that as an example, okay? I'd use my pet, but I don't have one. The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Did this happen before Eve came about? It sure did, didn't it? So what day did this happen on of the, the, the creation week? The sixth day. A lot happened on the sixth day of creation. God created man, Adam, had all these animals come by him. And what did Adam do? He looked at each animal that God brought by. Adam assessed the characteristics, the actions, the the different qualities of that animal. And he gave it a name that characterized that animal. What does that require? Rationality. This is not something I picked on your dog enough. This is not something your cat can do. This isn't something your goat can do. They can't do that. The only pet I've had are little goldfish and algae eaters in my fish tank. They can't do that. Only someone given the ability by God to think and to think rightly and to relate to God righteously that is what has meant being made in the image of God. A rational and righteous person. The image of God is what separates human beings from every other created being. We are controlled by thinking. We are not controlled by instinct. What is instinct? Well, Webster's dictionary says this. Are you ready? Instinct, a largely inheritable and unalterable tendency of an organism to make a complex and specific response to environmental stimuli without involving reason. Well, it just responds. It doesn't think, it just acts. That's what animals do. They act by instinct. Human beings, we think and we act based on our thinking, because we're made in God's image. Number four, chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. In chapter 1, verse 28. Chapter 1, verse 28. Then God blessed them, male and female, man and woman, Adam and Eve. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Number four, God created marriage. God created marriage. He created marriage to be a lifelong union between a man and a woman for three primary purposes. There's other reasons, but from here, there's three primary purposes. The first is companionship. Remember, Adam was alone. God provided him a perfect companion. A second for purpose is help in daily living. Mutual help in daily living. She was his helper and they together exercised dominion over the earth. A third purpose is children. Chapter 1, verse 28. Be fruitful and Multiply. Children, God created marriage. Number five, God gave man definite abilities and responsibilities. God gave man, I'm referring to the male here, okay? Definite abilities and responsibilities. What does definite means? It means there's no ambiguity here, right? There's no uncertainty. It's unquestionable. It's absolute, it's precise, it's not open-ended that you can just kind of add to it or whatever. Uh, It's not undefined, it is definite. God has said, this is what I created man to be and man to do. Remember the 35 millimeter camera. This is what I created man to be and to do. God created man to be the one responsible for leading Protecting and providing for his family. That's what God made man to be and do. To lead, protect, and to provide for his family. And he specially created man as man to fulfill all the roles and responsibilities of that. That's how God made man. Number six, I bet you can guess the blank for this one, right? God gave woman. God gave woman definite abilities and responsibilities. Again, the word definite. It's not open-ended. He's very specific. It's precise. So if God made man to be the one responsible for leading, protecting, and providing for his family, how did God Create woman. What did God create woman to be? Well, she's the one responsible for helping her husband. This is that concept of submission, of managing the home, and bearing and loving children. Let me repeat that because I know many of you are writing that down. Responsible for helping her husband, submission there, managing the home and bearing and loving children. We're going to start hearing howls now from society, aren't we? Oh no, this isn't right! Paternalistic, chauvinistic fella. God specially created woman as woman to fulfill these roles and responsibilities. Only a woman can bear and give birth to children. And only a woman can provide that mother's care and touch and comfort. Does this mean that dads don't love their kids and can't provide comfort? Well, they can. But there's something about a mother's care, isn't there? Because that's how God made our moms. Be honest. Mother's Day or Father's Day. Moms get the load of attention there, don't they? It's not that we don't love our dads, it's just there's something about our moms. That's a part of God's creation. And it's a good thing. Number seven God created men and women. Fundamentally distinct from one another. How so? Our physical bodies, this should be a duh thing, right? Fundamentally distinct in our abilities, what we're able to do. Yeah, we can do some things together, but God made our physical bodies, our our mindset, our psyche, our attitudes to do. God created things. And even the reason why we're here on this earth. They're not interchangeable. No matter how people may mutilate their bodies to try and make them interchangeable, they're not. Think of the 35 millimeter camera that got mutilated. Number eight God gave human beings authority over all creation. He gave human beings authority over all creation. Chapter 1, verse 28. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. We need to grasp this, especially in our day and age. Mankind is not equal with any life form. He is infinitely superior to such. We go fishing to catch fish. Fish don't come up on land to catch men, do they? That's not how it works. We exercise dominion. You might say, well, a shark can eat us. Don't go swimming where there are sharks. <laughs> and that's part of the curse. The theory and that's all it is it is not fact. The idea of naturalistic evolution, that things just kind of came into being all on their own, the end result of that is it levels the le- that makes level of the distinction between human beings and, I don't know, snails. You are no better than a snail. You are no more valuable than a snail. You're just higher along the evolutionary chain. Eventually, snails might, they say, they might come to have a greater evolutionary uh, chance over you. Or maybe cockroaches, or who knows what. No. You are made in God's image a rational and righteous person that God has put on this earth. The psalmist talks about as the king of the earth. You are here to rule and to have dominion over it. Last number nine. Somewhat of a rabbit trail, but something that I want us to see. Number nine. God's creation of mankind and everything had definite morality. Had definite morality. It says several times in chapter one, God saw that it was good. It's a sad thing that many Christians think that there are things in God's creation, there are things in God's creation that don't have morality. Like what? Some of you young people like to draw on my chalkboard. Yeah, yeah, she looked down. She's still looking down. She can hide, but I know who you are. <laughs> um, what is that? Is it evil? Is it good? How about this? Oh boy. Well, I'm really in trouble now. All right, thank you. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> hey, look at that. Um, I don't know if I did that right. Okay, that's F. Okay. Da, 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 da. Does that sound pretty good? Da, 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 da. Okay, the note F, is that good? Is it evil? Is it, let's see, this is going to be fun now, dust. Is this dust good? Is it evil? Or is it just yucky? Okay. Um, letters of the alphabet, musical notes, numbers, dirt, dust. They don't have morality, they say. I'd like you to think about that. And I will submit to you that that is false. They were created by whom? And what God's assessment of everything he made was what? It is what? Good. God only does good. He only does good. These are expressions of language. Communication. Communication. And that is part of being made in the image of God. Dust is good because God looked at how much that he made and said it was good. Everything that he made, except for dust. No, God looked at everything that he made and said it was good. So sad, Salmon, there are those who, even Christians, who say it doesn't necessarily have morality. But I would say it gets worse. When Christians then say that the only way that they become good or bad is when the creature does something with them. Then the morality is not coming from God. The morality is coming from whom? The creature. It's independent of God. I've created morality. Is there anything God did that was not good? Is there anything that is without morality? Is there anything that exists from God, yet its morality is independent of God? I'm making you think this morning, aren't I? Does morality exist separate from God? No. There is God and everything else. And everything is right and good because God made it. But it's corrupted because of sin. Does anything exist in creation apart from God that was not created by God to glorify Him? What does Psalm 19.1 say? The what declares the glory of God? The heavens and the firmament shows His handiwork. What did we meditate on, on at the beginning of the service? Psalm 148.13. Let all creation praise the name of the Lord. What did we sing? The third verse of the spacious firmament on high. What are those... Songs, I know it's hard to sing, but it has such a great message, and it's a tune that'll run through your mind. If rock and fire, though mindless, mutes of soul and spirit destitute, can their creator's praises sing and tell the glories of their king, then I, so blessed with gifts divine of heart and soul, of voice and mind, must far surpass the starry throng and burning bright with heavenly song. How to describe rock and fire, mindless and mute. It can't speak, but yet it sings to their creator's praises by its very existence. Guess what this does by its very existence? It praises the Lord by its very, very, very existence. Let's consider now number two, the corruption of God's creation. The last point was somewhat of a rabbit trail, but tied, I think. To what I want to emphasize today, the corruption of God's creation. Let's go to chapter 3. In the Garden of Eden. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that it was the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. We see here the beginning of the corruption of God's creation. What's happened to the 35 millimeter camera? Satan, an angel created by God, doubted. And denied God's creation work and commands. Has God said that? Is he really going to do that? Eve is deceived. She makes an independent decision without consulting her husband, Adam. Adam! He didn't lead his wife. He didn't protect his wife. He didn't stop the serpent. He's right there the whole time. Gave it. She gave it to her husband who was with her. Adam willingly disobeyed his creator and he ate. God's creation intent is corrupted in the garden and then it just went downhill from there outside the garden. Chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 5, we read how Cain and Abel brought an offering, the two boys of Adam and Eve. The Lord did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry anger and jealousy. Verse 8 there's murder. In verse 19, Lamech took for himself himself what? Two wives. And then you read in chapter 6 and verse 2, how the sons of God looked on the sons of men, saw that they were beautiful, and they intermarried. Contrary to God's design and intent, you read chapter 6, verse 5, wickedness covers the earth. Every intent of the thought of man's mind is wicked living contrary to God's character and commands. Corruption and violence fill the earth. And that brings us to where we are today. It would take forever to continue listing all the different sins. But those tied to what we've looked at here, we have effeminate men who forsake the role of leading, protecting, and providing for their families. We have overassertive women Believe leave the role of being a submissive helper and providing nurturing care. We have married couples who say, we don't want to have children, we will not have children, despite the fact that is one of the three reasons God created marriage. The marriage bond and commitment is cast aside as unnecessary. We can just... Kind of go on our way. Why bother getting married? Marriages are broken for any reason. Couples refuse to sacrificially love one another. Couples refuse to forgive each other. They're stubborn. They do their own thing. And they get a divorce. Homosexuality and other sexual deviances are viewed celebrated as right and good and if you're not along with that you're perverted and wrong it's entirely right it's viewed in our time for a man and a woman to have intimate relations apart from marriage and then when it comes to children if you don't want it just kill it it's a rather barbaric way to say abortion but that's what it is isn't it What has mankind done with God's creation? We have perverted and wrecked the camera. But there is good news, isn't there, number three? The Savior's provision. And I'd like you to go with me to Romans chapter 5 in the New Testament. chapter 5, we'll start in verse 6, Romans chapter 5, verse 6, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. What happened the moment that God, uh, that that man made in God's image, rational and righteous person, turned from God? Death. The wages of sin is death. Is there any hope? We're condemned by the Creator, rightly condemned. Is there any hope? Verse 8. What a, what a statement. God, the same God who created you. The same God that you rebelled against. God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, his own son, Christ, died for us. Adam's sin brought sin and death in this world. Read about it in Romans 5, 12 to 19. Everyone's born a sinner. Everyone's born guilty. Everyone's born condemned. Without hope and lost. Every one of Adam's descendants has sinned and death reigns. No one has the power, the ability to free yourself from it. We were without strength. But yet, what do we read here? Christ died for the ungodly. Through Jesus Christ, when he saves you, he saves you and he enables, if as it were, the camera, to work correctly. He gives you a new nature. He gives you a love for him. He enables things to work correctly. And then that brings us then to the saints in chapter six, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in it and its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your, instruments as, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. At salvation, Christian, that moment of salvation, God gives you new desires to love him, new desires to obey him. Old things have passed away, New things have come. He's given you the Holy Spirit who eternally forever will dwell within you to help you stop sinning and to do right. God reveals in scripture what you should do, the owner's manual, if you will, so that you can obey him and live the way that he intended. He gives you that love for it, that willingness to read it. Yes, you'll love to read instruction manuals, Hard to believe, isn't it? But because it's from your Lord, you love him. So what kind of directions do we have from God, number four? Well, we need to know Genesis 1 and 2, all the way to Revelation 22. You must know all of it. What are the Lord's directions? The Lord's direction first and foremost is this. You have to confess your rebellion. You have to submit to your your creator and to your savior. Christian, fulfill your creator's intention for your life. Fulfill your creator's intention. Why he made you the way you are. So men, women, God created you to be a man and a woman. And he saved you to be that way. So that you will fulfill those roles, those responsibilities in your home and in your family. Yeah, the world, unbelievers, are going to pressure you. They're going to try to deny that. They're going to try to trick you up. Resist that. Listen to your creator. Listen to your savior here. Kids, I don't care if you're right on the chalkboard. within well, reason. And then erase it. Kids, you're kids. Right now, if you're a boy, God's plan for you is to grow up and to be a man. If you're a little girl, God's plan for you is to grow up and be a woman. That's how God made you. And God knows what He's doing. If you're married, husbands, wives, God has brought you together. He has matched and paired you with someone who isn't perfect. And guess what? Neither are you. And God's intention for that is that it'll be for how long? For life. Have there been mistakes made in the past? Yeah. Is there hope? There sure is. you learn from it. You do right. You keep going. But right now, we're at now Husbands and wives, husbands, fulfill the, the, the reasons that God has you, the purposes that God has for you in your marriage. Wives, the same. Work through your sin problems. It can be easy to think, well, we have such a hard time, I'm just going to make this decision and just kind of cut it off. Two wrongs never do what? They never make a right. God provides and God helps. Some specific things. Men, your best friend is not your dog. Your best friend is your rib. Cherish her. Love her sacrificially. Well, she's not perfect. What's our response to that? Neither are you. But you are to love her. And what's the comparison? As Christ loved the church. How much does Christ love you, men? Sacrificially. Was his love dependent on you being perfect? No. Think about how imperfect you are. Think about how you fail the Lord. And the Lord continues to love, to be patient, to forgive. You need to do the same. Stop husbanding. I made up a verb. Stop husbanding like an unbeliever husband like an un, like a believer your life isn't your work your work is a gift from god but that's not why you live you live to glorify god in every aspect of your life and don't forget men you are responsible for leading providing and protecting for your family wives lovingly submit to your husbands well he's got issues what's the response We all do, don't we? He's got issues. I'd encourage you. Don't wife, or maybe I should be parallel. Don't stop husbanding like an unbeliever. Stop wifing like an unbeliever. Don't take your cues on how to be a wife from this world. Look to the Lord's word. Look at where you're at. Look at where the Lord says you should be. Don't... Look, don't Google, maybe I should do this. No, look to what the Lord says here. You'll never go wrong. Well, I can't do it, that's hard. Good, you recognize that. It is hard. You can't do it. You have who indwelling you? The Holy Spirit, the triune God. Ask for his help. Submit yourself to the Lord and follow him. That's why you need Christ, to obey him, the Spirit's help. I'll close with this for everyone. You have a body. You have a mind. You have hearts and affections. and These are all given by God to glorify him in every aspect of it. For the few years that we're on this earth, use it as God intended.